Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Again, we've been in this sermon series that we've been calling Better. And just to catch you up, uh, some of you that haven't been here, um, Better, Better. We're talking about better choices in life. We've been talking about how you and I, uh, for the most part, we're in the pursuit of better. Uh, we don't want mediocre in our lives for the most part. We, we don't want to settle for something that is okay. We want what's best in our life. We want what's better in our life. We want the better will of God in our lives. And, but there comes a moment in life when we, are, we find ourselves at a crossroads. Um, if you've ever been driving and you're not too sure where you're going and you're trying to follow uh, GPS and you're trying to figure out where you're going and sometimes the GPS is a little slow to let you know that you got to stay to the left or you got to stay to the right and you got to make a choice, you got to make a decision. And if you're like me, there's been times that I, I don't make the right decision. I end up having to turn back all the way around to get the right, get going in the right place again, right? Because we all face forks in the road. And it can be irritating, especially when you're driving, trying to get somewhere. It can be irritating when you take the wrong turn, when you go the wrong way. It makes you even later because you're already running late and you're trying to get somewhere. But isn't it even more frustrating when it's not just about getting to a location, but when it has to do with your life? When you have to make a decision and you, you have to, with the best information that you have, you have to make a decision as to whether or not to take a job, to punish one of your children, to, to uh, set your foot down on something at home or, or whatever it may be. But you have to make a decision and we all pray and we all hope that we're making good decisions because we want better in our lives. And the big idea today is the last message in this series of better. But the big idea the past three weeks has been that the good is the enemy of the better. That the good is the enemy of what's best in our lives. Because sometimes we can tend to settle down on something that's okay for us. Something that's not necessarily a sin. Something that you know that it's, you're going to be able to still do certain things in life. But if only you gave a little more and if only you gave a little more work, things could be so much better. But because of the effort, we, we tend to settle on good at times. But the good is the enemy of the better. And the whole question we've been asking is where are you compromising the better things in your life and settling for good things? Are you settling for a good marriage when you could have a better marriage? Are you settling for a good relationship with your children when you could have a better relationship with your children? Kids and, and young people, are you settling for a good relationship with your parents? 
But you could have a better relationship with your parents. And we all come to choices in our lives where we have to make decisions on whether or not we're going to settle for the good or are we going to go for the better. Now, those of you that have family, I think we've all found ourselves here at one time or another. Mom or dad, we're driving along and the children, the kids, God bless them, but they're driving us nuts. And God bless them, they're here with us today, right? And they're driving us nuts. And one of us, one of us makes this threat. You guys better stop or I'm going to pull over. And then you can finish it. I don't know what you tell them. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to leave you on the side of the road. I, I don't know what your threat is, right? But we, we, we get to a point where we get frustrated and tired with what's going on in the back seat and the bickering and, the, and all the infighting in the family. And you're like, stop it. Or have you ever found yourself at a restaurant and that waiter takes a little too long to refill your drink? And many of us probably, uh, we, we find more and more than we would like to admit that, that we find ourselves getting irritated and, and upset over some of the smallest things, whether you're in the drive through lane, right, and the car up in front of you is ordering for like, it seems like 40 people, and they just won't go, or, or you get to the, to the window, right, and they'll tell you what, can you pull up over there, and it will take, oh my, it's like, Really? Maybe you get irritated with your morning commute as you're driving to work or as your kids are waiting on your bus and, and you get irritated and frustrated. Maybe, uh, again, some of us get frustrated with just our family, how we interact between each other. But the, I, but the big thing is that we get frustrated from time to time more than we would like to even admit. Anger, frustration, a desire to get even. All these things seem to come naturally to us. No one had to teach you how to get mad. We didn't go to school to mad 101. We didn't go to frustrated one. To revenge, seeking revenge 101 or 10201 or whatever. It's something that, that came supernatural to us. But some, I mean, not supernatural, it's natural to us, but something that comes supernatural, something that helps us make better decisions in life, something that helps us chase the better in our lives, something that can transform your relationships with your spouse and your families at work and your, uh, with your boss, something that can help you. And I think any of us here would say, I need a little bit of help with that. We all need help navigating relationships we, with, with, our, with all those people I mentioned, with our parents, with our children, with our, even within our church community, with team members that we're working with. And that one thing that can help us with our relationships and help us to lead better and happier lives is patience. Tell your neighbor, you need patience. You need patience. I don't know how you're doing on your Proverbs reading. I challenged you last week. Hey, read one chapter a day in Proverbs. 
some of you uh, have not got probably gotten this far because we'd be what today on the seventh or eighth chapter of Proverbs. But Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says the following. Better is a patient person than a warrior. One will self-control than one who takes a city. Another Bible version says it this way. Better to be slow to anger than to be a mighty warrior. And one who controls his temper is better than one who captures a city. Patience. We all could use a little more patience. Uh, how many of you have had your patience tested this past month? Those of you that didn't raise your hands, we're praying for you because you will not inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> Our patience gets tested week in, week out. What happens when our... When our uh, when our patience is tested to the point where we forget who we are and we forget our manners and we forget uh, that we're dealing with people just like you and me, that we're dealing with people that maybe have the same circumstances that you and I have. So I, I deal in my job place, I deal a lot with people that come in not feeling well. And I have to work with them. And in particular, the past month, I remember there was one patient that came in and she was cranky since the beginning. We bring her back and she's saying that this is the worst place I've ever been to. And we hadn't even dealt with her. We hadn't even talked to her. But since the beginning, she's talking down on us and, and, and testing us where we learn as, as medical field workers to try to teach, every, teach not teach, treat everyone with care and with love because they are there for service. But we get our patience tested at times. But what happens when our work is not dependent on patience? Or, or let me make, put it this way. What happens because let's say that I need to be patient at work so I can keep my job. Praise the Lord. I know somebody that recently started working at Chick-fil-A. I'm not going to name any names, but Nathan says that, you know, he has to say my pleasure after he serves somebody. But what, what if they took that requirement away from him? What if they took that requirement away from me to be patient with patience? Who would we be? Where would we find ourselves and how we treat others? Because when we're required, it's almost like we're only as good as we have to be. When we're required to be patient, when we're required to treat others with care and to serve others with love, we will do it. But what if our work did not depend on it? What if us coming to this place didn't depend on it? Would we still be that patient person? Here's the thing. Patience is not about waiting. It is about the attitude we have while we wait. Because we all have to wait at some point. But in the middle of the waiting, 
in the middle of you waiting for a response or wanting someone to change their outlook, their attitude? How is your attitude during that period? Whether it takes a few minutes, whether it takes a day, whether it takes a lifetime, how are you during the waiting And maybe there's someone in your life today that's testing your patience and we wonder why won't he or why won't she do the right thing? Why won't he apologize? Why doesn't my boss recognize my, my contributions to the company? Why do I continue to put up with this? Again, Proverbs 16.32, better a patient person than a worrier. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, it says it this way. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient. Everyone say patient. Be patient with who? With who? Look at your neighbor and say, that means you. I have to be patient with you. <laughs> See, Paul is not, he is not setting aside that there are difficult people. He is saying, you know what? You have to talk to those who are idle. There's another Bible version that says that are lazy. Okay? They're idle and disruptive. You got to encourage. You got to warn. And you got to do everything you have to, to communicate what you need to communicate. But in that process, you got to be patient not just with those who you love not just with your spouse not because your work depends on it you got to be patient with everyone make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else rejoice always Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says that you have to be patient even with eagle fans. You got to be patient even with New England Patriot fans. Because they're all children of God. Whether they recognize God or not, whether they love God or not, whether they're agnostic or whether they're atheist, whatever situation they find themselves to, whatever position they're in towards God, they are God's creation and God loves them. And that means that you and I, just as you and I want people to be patient with us, we need to be patient with everyone. Though there does come the time where we need to warn somebody. We need to admonish somebody. We need to encourage someone. But throughout that process, we need to remain patient. So I'm going to quickly, quickly give you three things, okay? Three things that why patience is better. And I, I believe that these things can help us uh, as we understand the reason in which you and I exercise our, pa our patience. And as we exercise this discipline in life, how we can do this and the basis of it, okay? And the, and the 
and the results of it, okay? So number one, a patient person can help heal a broken relationship. Patient person can help heal a broken relationship. Proverbs 15, 18, it's not up there, but you can write it down. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. Have you ever talked to somebody that doesn't get mad? And like, you're upset, and you just want to give them a piece of your mind, and that person says, you know what, I'm, yes, I understand. And they're not, they're not giving back to you the way you want them, because you're ready for a fight. Man, you are ready, and you are ready. You have your points. You have a, a PowerPoint laid out to tell them exactly what you think about what they did and how they destroyed and how they hurt the relationship you're in. And you begin talking to them, and they are very quiet. And they're very repentant. And they'll accept what you're saying. You get even more frustrated. But, but then what happens is that you can't say anything more because it quells or it quiets down the anger and the frustration. When you and I are patient, you and I are patient, that broken relationship you may find yourself in, whether it's with, with you and your spouse, whether it's you and your children, whether it's you and a coworker, patience can help heal that. Patience can help restore what was lost. You have Joseph. The story of Joseph and his brothers. Again, his brothers, we've, we, we've kind of mentioned this the past few weeks a few times. Joseph was sell, sold by his brothers into slavery. Okay? You think you have a, a dysfunctional family. You're not getting sold into slavery. I mean, you're getting sold out at times by your brothers, but... You're not getting sold into oppression and, and into slavery and to, into shames and, and serving someone against your will. No, you're not getting that done. Joseph was sold into slavery, managed to make the circumstance that he was in a, a little bit better. Then what happens is that he gets accused wrongly for something that he didn't do. He gets thrown in jail, and once again, he is being patient, and he's just waiting on God, and he's serving wherever he finds himself. He rises up in the prison, is one of the, one of the overseers in the prison, and God finally brings him to a position of power, becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt. One day, his brothers come to him without knowing that it's Joseph, ask him for food, want him to buy food, and Joseph finally reveals himself to them. And he says, what you meant for evil, God used for good. And Joseph's patience healed that broken relationship between him and his brothers to where the nation of Israel became prosperous. And we're here today because they held on. Because of Joseph's patience, he saved his brothers and his parents, and he was able to save the nation of Israel. Proverbs 25, 15 says, Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded. You're needing an answer. You're needing your boss to give you something. You're needing a promotion at work and you're needing a, 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 a favorable thing in your life. 
Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Number two, a patient person gives God time to work. Patient person gives God time to work. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Thank God that Jesus didn't give up on you. Thank God that Jesus was very patient. And as they brought the adulterous woman to him and saying, uh, Master, Master, Teacher, this woman has committed adultery. And the law says that those that are adulterous should be stoned to death. What do you say? Jesus, with compassion in his heart, hears the argument and says, You know what? He who is without sin cast the first stone. And people slowly decided to go away because they realized that they're not perfect either. And many times we have a stone in our hands and we're ready to cast it. We're ready to throw it. It's got somebody's name on it. It's got a target and it's got a purpose. But we forget to look on the inside and realize that somebody's probably pointing a stone at our, in our direction as well. A patient person gives God time to work. If you're patient with others, God can work in that person's life. Uh, I was telling someone last week that my father, my, not my father, no, but my, my grandfather, for many years he would go to church week after week, week after week, would not give his life to God, but his, his wife, my grandmother, could not drive. So he had to take her to church, and my grandma was a very, very strong woman, and there was no way she was staying home. She didn't care. She made her husband, my grandfather, drive her to church, and my grandfather would go into the church, and he would sit there, and he would listen, and then he would leave. Week after week after week after week. And it wasn't until he turned 65 that one day he surprised us all and said, I want to give my life to Jesus. But my grandmother's consistent praying for him. My parents and my, my uncles and my aunts' consistent uh, love for him. A patient person gives God time to work. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your spouse. Be patient in what God is doing in their lives and you continue praying, you continue serving, you continue doing what you got to do at home and God will work in that person's life. Don't give up on people because Jesus doesn't give up on you. He loves and he forgives you. He's waited on you this long. Brother Angel read one of my favorite verses in the, in the Bible, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. He who began a good work in you will complete it. What Jesus starts in your life, he will finish. And there's a great promise in the Bible that says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you and your whole household will be saved. 
You may not see it today. You might not see it tomorrow. You may have to wait till you're in retirement age, but you got to keep believing that that promise still stands and God is faithful no matter what has circumstances going on in life. God is faithful to his word. A patient person gives God time to work. Romans chapter 8, 25 says, but if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. We wait patiently. Number three, and I kind of already mentioned it, I kind of jumped ahead, because God is patient with you. Thank God he's patient with us, amen? Some of us shouldn't be here today. Some of us, we can stand up here and testify and say, you know what? Uh, my life has been in the pits. I have turned away from God. I don't deserve his mercy. I don't deserve his grace. But only by his grace and his love am I able to stand in this room and raise my hands and give up an, uh, an offering of praise and worship because God is a patient God. He is not an impatient God. He is not a God that will zap you. As some of us may think that God will zap us. Second Peter chapter 3 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come. To repentance. Some of us wonder why is Jesus taking so long to come back for his church? If Jesus doesn't come back today, if Jesus doesn't come back tomorrow, to me that makes me realize that there is more work to be done. There are more souls to be saved. There are more people that need to be reached. There are people living in darkness. People living without hope. People that need to hear the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because God is patient with you. And some of you here today, for some of you, it's time for you to come to God. Some of you, it's time for you to just to give your life to him. He is patient with you, and he is patient because he wants to see you come to repentance. But you've had warnings in the past. You've had close calls. And you know that you're far from God at this moment. And you know that God is calling you back through your friendships and through your family and through those who love you. And God is saying, son, daughter, it's time for you to come back to me. Stop trying to do it on your own. I have a purpose for you. It's time to come to God. God is being patient with you. See, this is what happens. In Matthew chapter 26, the story is told of Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's arrested, right before he's crucified. And the Bible says that the, uh, Jesus and some of his disciples, they were praying. When all of a sudden, Judas with, a, with guards came and Judas identifies Jesus by giving him a kiss in the cheek. And when the guards see that that was Jesus, 
the, the guards come up to Jesus and they start taking him, handcuffing him. I don't know what they were doing. But making it obvious that they were about to take him into custody. And the Bible tells us the story that Peter draws out a sword. Swings the sword. Cuts off someone's ear. And in that moment, Jesus turns to Peter and rebukes him. And says, those who live by the sword will perish by the sword. Peter, do you not know that I could pray to the Father and he will send more than 12 legions of angels to come free me, to come take care of me? I don't need your help. This is me doing my Father's will here on this earth. And some of us, we take Peter's stance and we are not patient to wait on God's will in our life and we take out our sword of our own understanding, of our own action, and we take matters into our own own hands not realizing that God is working something out in our lives and take this today as God telling you you need to stop you need to put that away there is a will for you in my I have a purpose for you Stop taking matters into your own hands. Stop trying to lead your own life without God. God has made a promise to you and to your family. You have to be patient and wait in Him. You got to believe that God's will for your life is better. Yeah, you're living a good life right now. Things are fun. Things are good. Things are going well. God has something better for you. But you got to be patient. There are moments and there are times when we don't see God working fast. And we want him to move. We want answers today. We want answers yesterday. So how do we become more patient? Quite honestly, The level of our patience, the Bible says that patience is one of the fruit, is the fruit of the Spirit. If you want more patience in your life, you need to seek God more. Because patience can be a very supernatural thing in life. It doesn't come naturally. You want to be patient towards your family. You want to be patient towards your co-workers you want to be patient towards your fellow students you want to be patient towards the things that you are waiting for and you want to have faith that God will move that mountain that he said he would move and you want to have faith that God will make a way where there is no way but it requires patience it requires waiting on the Lord but if we hope for what we do not yet have we wait for it patiently knowing that God has it in his hands knowing that you are in God's hands I'm going to ask you to stand today we are February 4th 
some of us, we're already at a point where we've already broken a couple of goals that we had. We're not chasing them anymore. We've lost patience with that pursuit. Some of us promise ourselves we're going to be better spiritually this year. We're going to seek God. We're going to pray more. We're going to read the Bible more. We're going to come to church more often. We're going to give more. We're going to be more generous. We're going to help our neighbors more. We're going to do all those things that are going to cause me to be closer to God. But see, the reality is that you can do everything in the book. And your closeness with God doesn't depend on your work. But it depends on the faith that you have. And the true and genuine heart that you have towards him. You want to love God? Truly surrender your life to him. We were singing, I give myself away. What are you still holding on to? That God is saying, let it, let it go. We want God to come down and reveal himself and give us a word. But faith is just that. It's called a leap of faith. A step of faith. I've seen enough of what God does. I know what his word says and the promises that are made to me and to my family. There comes a time when you just take that step of faith and say, Lord, I'm yours. I belong to you. It's not going to be easy at times because our flesh still fights. We want to take things into our own hands. We want to make our own life and we want to live the way we want to live. But when the we and I realize that the better thing in our, uh, in our life is to serve God with all our heart and to remain patient in Him and to wait for Him. We begin to open our eyes to the blessings that He has for us.